0: This is episode 13 of the Magic Detective Podcast. On this episode, it's a tribute to Doug Henning. That and more on this episode of the Magic Detective Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Magic Detective Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Carnegie. I am the Magic Detective. This is episode 13. It's a tribute to Doug Henning. And I want to start by saying that right now, I feel like the luckiest magician in the country. And the reason is, I got to see a clip of Doug Henning that I had never seen before. Not only that, I got to see him do an illusion I had never seen him do before, and a close-up trick I'd never seen him do before. I knew about this clip, I just never saw it. It was, a uh, Doug Henning performing on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson in 1984. So that would have made it one of his final, probably his final appearance on The Tonight Show and maybe one of his final appearances of all time on TV. And uh, he, boy, he came out doing illusion after illusion after illusion. But I believe it was the second illusion of the opening set. He did this really unusual thing where he placed a girl inside of a sort of a... um, open-faced rectangular cabinet and, uh, had a paper covered tube that went through and, uh, pushed it all the way through. And then the, the paper that was covering the tube burst a flame on the front, burst a flame in the back. So you could see all the way through it. And, um, so cool. And then they, uh, they pull it out and they cover it over and, um, you expect the same girl to come out, but actually a completely different girl comes out of it, and uh, it was great. Now, was it the greatest illusion? I don't know, but I'll say this: it was so cool seeing Doug Henning do magic that I, you know, that I had not seen before. It was just so great. And then later in the episode, uh, after he was talked to Johnny for a while, they were talking about close-up magic. And they went over to a table, and he began to do close-up magic. Some of it I had seen before, but he did Doug Bennett's trick called "Bewildering," and I had I, I've seen this for sale. Uh, a friend of mine even had one, and he showed it to me, but he didn't do the trick. And here was Doug Henning presenting "Bewildering." I'd never seen the actual you know presentation of it before, and wow. It was so cool. I just, I, oh man, it was, it just brought me back to the very first time that I saw Doug Henning on TV. And, um, for me and for many people, that was, uh, boy, that changed the whole face of magic. So, uh, so today's episode is really, I'm, I'm going to try and make the whole thing about Doug Henning and more, uh, more than anything, probably my recollections of Doug Henning. I never met him, but um I'm gonna tell you some Doug's Doug's stories and just how I felt uh during seeing different specials and seeing him live. I saw him live numerous times. Um I was talking to uh I was talking to my um my partner in in the show uh yesterday. Uh just so happens that Her family, her parents were um, investors in the magic show on Broadway. So she has, uh, her family has quite a connection to, to Doug Henning. And um, so we're talking about, I was telling her about the podcast that I want to get ready and do. And we're talking about Henning and everything. and, And she said, you know, there's something about him. I can't put my finger on it. Something that was, you know, His magic was different. And I said, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you exactly. I know exactly what it is. You know, people like David Copperfield and Chris Angel and Lance Burton and these people, they all do magic. Then you have people like Penn and Teller and Harry Anderson, and they do tricks. So you have some people that do tricks, some people that do magic, but then you have Doug Henning. Doug Henning was magic. And that's the difference. He really was. He believed in magic. And even though, yeah, sure, he was presenting illusions and tricks, they seemed I don't know what the word is, otherworldly. Like they like it was really happening. I can remember audiences, lay audiences watching Doug Henning's show and him getting responses from lay people that look, I've seen, I've seen so many performers. I've seen David Copperfield many, many times, and he gets, David gets a different reaction from people, but Doug Henning got this, just this pure, pure astonishment from people that I hadn't, I've never seen in any other show, including my own. I mean, I'm a full-time performer. Um, it's, it was Doug, you know, it's, it goes back to, uh, the whole thing that, so many magicians talk about it's character your character is the most important thing and in Doug's case I'm not sure he had a character it was who he was and who he was was so different than everyone else you know it wasn't it wasn't the uh wasn't the the blue jeans and the t-shirts it wasn't that kind of thing because anybody could wear that and trust me back then a lot of people did a lot of people started wearing uh, blue jeans and Biv overalls and that kind of stuff and trying to perform and, you know, growing their hair long and, you know, kind of performing in that Henning style, but you you look ridiculous. I mean, you couldn't be Doug Henning. You couldn't copy Doug Henning. You could do his tricks. Um, but you couldn't, you couldn't copy who he was because it was, it was for him. It was, it was pure. It was, it was him. Um, Another thing we talked about at lunch yesterday was uh, how much material from my show is came out of Doug Henning's show and I, I'm I have this thing where I don't like to do material that other people are doing. If it's a popular thing I, I pretty much avoid it um, but when it becomes no longer popular that's often when I'll look into it. And I I hadn't even realized how much material in my own show uh, was material that I had seen Doug Henning do at one time. I mean, the list, there's... Um, I think we stopped counting at 30 or 40 routines, seriously. And that's everything from close-up magic to illusions. And uh, it's pretty remarkable when you think about it. So uh, I'm going to start this, like I said, this is a tribute to Doug Henning, so I'm going to give you some biographical information, um, but I want to start with this. It was 1998, and the magic world was a buzz. Seriously. There was like this electricity in the air. And the reason was, there were sightings all over the country, sightings of Doug Henning at magic shops, I remember getting a call from a friend of mine going, "You're not going to believe this." Doug Henning was just at Barry's Magic Shop in Wheaton, Maryland, and I went, "What? What? What?" Doug Henning? What? And another friend of mine called me and he said, "Yeah, Doug, I, Doug was over at Hollywood Magic in in uh, in Hollywood like last week." No way! What? What's going on? And then my friend Denny, who recently passed away, I, I talked to him and he said, "Yeah," I said. Doug is popping up at magic shops all over the country buying magic. And, you know, we didn't know what was going on. It's like he had vanished off the face of the earth once he retired. He was, you know, going to build the the Vedaland theme park and that kind of thing. But he had nothing to do with the world of magic anymore. And here he was coming back. And it was, I don't even know how to, I mean... There have been other people that left magic and came back, but there's, there was, ne- I've never experienced that, just that utter excitement about, about an artist returning to magic other than, like I said, when Doug Henning was supposed to come back. So we were all just like, you know, imagination's going wild. Oh my gosh. it, it Who knows, maybe there's going to be a new NBC special with Doug Henning and I can't imagine the magic that he's going to be doing now considering he's had, uh, you know, 10 years off and oh my gosh, this is going to be incredible. And then he was gone. February 7th, 2000, Doug Henning died of liver cancer. It was like losing a family member. And I talked to many people, and I, you know, and we all said the same thing. It's like I can't believe how hard, how hard this hit me, that Doug Henning has passed away. He was only fifty-two when he died, so he's the same age as Houdini. But you know, Houdini, for let's face it, Houdini lived over a hundred years ago. So as much as many of us uh, follow Houdini's career and everything he did, you don't have that quite have that connection that you do to somebody that you got to see live. Um, And, uh, and, you know, and many of the people that worked with Doug are still around. Uh, Unlike Houdini, all those people have long since passed. Um, I doubt there's anyone alive now that saw Houdini perform. I think the the last ones died, you know, probably within the last 10 years. So, but here's Doug and we all think he's coming back. And the next thing you know, gone. He's passed away, liver cancer. Ugh. devastating, devastating. What's interesting is if you go back now, I guess if you're if you're a millennial or you didn't grow up in that time period and you watch Doug Henning, you pro- you may sit there and go, I don't get it. What's the big deal? He's very corny. He's very goofy. I don't understand. I don't know what the big you know, the big deal is I don't understand, but I can tell you, I saw Doug Henning when I was a kid and I'll tell you my story very quickly. The Tony Curtis movie about, about, uh, Harry Houdini was on TV and I had just come home from school and that was on and I saw that and I went, oh my gosh, wow, this is incredible. So fascinated by this character named Houdini. And then, I think it was just a couple weeks later that Doug Henning had his first TV special on NBC. And I was going to watch it. I was excited about watching it because they were advertising that he was going to recreate Houdini's upside-down water torture as the closer to the show. So that's all I wanted to see. I, I didn't care about the rest of it. I just wanted to see the water torture cell. So that's all I, had, you know, as a kid, I'm just a kid, you know, that's all I plan to, uh, to watch. So, uh, I'm outside, I'm playing with my friends and, uh, my dad comes to the door and he goes, Hey, that magic shows on. And I'm like, ah, guys, I got to go thinking that it's, you know, the, the, um, the water torture cell part, but it had just started. And so the opening credits had just finished and the curtain opens and here comes Doug Henning walking out and he doesn't look like any magician I'd ever seen. And he walks out towards the audience. He has his hand open, and there's a nickel on his hand. And he slowly closes one finger at a time over that nickel. He turns his hand over, and he turns it back all very slowly. No, no quick movements, just very deliberately turned it over, turned it back. And then he opened his fingers one at a time, and the coin was gone. And I know there had to be this collective thing across the country where people went, What? And I guarantee you that nobody in 19, whatever year it was, 1974, nobody saw. Doug, take the the, uh, the quarter after he made it reappear. By the way, he made it reappear just like he made it disappear. I guarantee nobody saw him take that and change it to a larger coin and then to a jumbo coin because they were all looking at each other, going, "What was that? I've never seen anything like that in my life." Because I tell you, when I saw <laughs> when I saw that special replayed, I uh, I was so excited. I was like, I can't wait to see this this uh, nickel trick, you know, that he did. And um, he's doing it, and I'm like, "Hey, what, what what is this with the jumbo coins? I don't remember any of that." So uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one that felt that way. But what a killer way to open a magic special! And I think if if memory serves, it was the first, um, network evening magic special in many years. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I know Mark Wilson was around, and Mark Wilson was doing the Mark Wilson's magic circus and and the Alakazam show and um, that stuff during the daytime. But this was the first evening show. And as I recall, it had um, had incredible ratings. Uh, it was the highest rated magic special for the longest time. I don't know if there's ever been a magic special that's topped it. I'm not sure. but wow, that was that was the opening. And then, um, and, I, and by the way, I want to just just stop for a second and say, if you've never seen uh, Doug Henning's World of Magic, the special number one, it's on YouTube. And whoever put it up recently, it's a really good copy. So it's, um, you can see the whole thing. I think the commercials are even in there. But you can see the whole thing from start to finish. It's good. There's, it's, granted, don't get me wrong, there's some... There's some corniness there. Some of the music you kind of chuckle at because it's very 70s music, but the magic stands up. Uh, when he goes to the table and he starts doing close up magic, he's doing sla- Slidini stuff. And what's so funny about watching Doug perform Slidini material, because he's doing uh, Slidini cigarette uh, moves and everything. And <laughs> what's funny is watching Doug. Uh, And I guess everybody that took lessons from Slidini had the same thing. Um, You get the Slidini attitude every once in a while, that Slidini, of course you're going to have his mannerisms, but the attitude, and I don't know one Slidini student that doesn't from time to time slip into the Slidini impression, and they're... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was, watching Doug, and he slips into this really quick Slydini impression. It's just the greatest. Um, the co-host, by the way, there were two co-hosts on that first special. There was uh, Gene Kelly, who actually introduced the special. Uh, Gene Kelly was fabulous. And then there was the the co-host, R- that ran along most of the show, kept it going, and that was Bill Cosby. And and just let me just stop for a second and say, just forget everything you know about Bill Cosby today. Um, you know, he's destroyed his life by what he's done. But back in the in the seventies, Bill Cosby was one of the biggest stars around. To see him here on a magic special was was a big deal. So it gave it gave Doug legitimacy by having a big celebrity, actually two big celebrities, on the on the special. As I recall, uh, this is just, I'm just going off of memory here, I want to say that Orson Welles was supposed to be part of the first special, and he backed out or something. Why does that ring a bell? Maybe that was one of the other specials, I don't remember. It just popped into my head there for a second. Anyway... So you have Gene Kelly and you have uh, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby is produced magically out of a uh, out of a jukebox, which is uh, not the greatest illusion in the world, but pretty novel, pretty different. Looked good on TV, I thought. Um, Doug did some really uh, unusual things on the show. He produced a an owl uh, from underneath a cloth. That was uh, that was pretty amazing. He did uh, Things That Go Bump in the Night, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, this this version was created for him by Charles Reynolds, as I recall, and it had a different method than what Survey Leroy had come up with back years, years before. And, by the way, if you're interested in Survey Leroy, you can listen to my podcast on Survey Leroy which is, I don't know what episode it is, just look down the list, you'll see, but it's pretty cool. But here was uh, Things That Go Bump in the Night, uh, or as uh, Leroy called it, The Three Graces, and Doug was doing it, uh, really, Things That Go Bump in the Night, that was his presentation. It was a very comic presentation, it was a very fun, uh, very light-hearted presentation, and for the time, I think a really big surprise. Now, just going back, if you remember what I said a few minutes ago, that I had only intended to watch Doug Henning do the the water torture cell. That was the only thing I had intended to see on that whole special. And after I saw him make the quarter vanish, I couldn't leave the TV set. I had to watch everything. And things about that go bump in the night, oh my gosh, just... Ugh, such a such a strong trick that he actually. I want to say that Doug used things that go bump in the night on three, if not four, of the Doug Henning Worlds of Magic TV specials. Um, but it's a great it's a great thing, and fortunately for me, I actually got to see him do things that go bump in the night live uh, several times, and it's just as good live as it is on TV. Let me tell you. So, uh, what are some of the other standouts? I'm trying to think of some of the other standouts in that very first special. There, there were so... Oh, oh, oh my goodness. The Sands of Egypt. The Sands of Egypt. Oh. Now, for a magician, one of the messiest tricks, one of the most difficult tricks to travel with. Sand gets everywhere. It's a pain. But what a great trick for the audience. And... Um, and I know, even today, there's there's still new versions coming out of that trick, and it's it's still still really strong. I did Sands of Egypt, like so many people back then. Um, Sands of Egypt's still in my show, quite frankly. I've got three huge containers of sand in my uh, storage unit right now, ready to go. Um, but watching Doug do it, that was the first time I'd ever seen it. No. <laughs> Oh, man. It was just the best. And then, you know, changing the water uh, clear again at the end, which is a, a classic move that um, I'm not sure where it originated, but great way to go. Just amazing. Um, what else was in that special? There was there was so much. Oh, oh, Catwoman. Catwoman was in that special. And uh, Julie Newmar. And she was... Um... <laughs> She wasn't Catwoman, I'll say that. She was a little, acting a little different. Um, uh, she was a dancer, was very tall, much taller than Doug Henning. And um, she performed an illusion that, I'm not sure if audiences really got how strong it was. Because it was a it was a, um, a slicer illusion kind of thing where she lays down on a table and is covered by... Uh, a box and uh, her midsection is cut away so uh, but you can see through the box or through the table the whole time you can see underneath her so there's no place for her to hide and it was a uh, it was really great principle that um has since been adapted into something even greater but oh man what a great trick that was just fabulous And I believe um, the shadow box was in that special, as I recall. And, I mean, Doug basically, uh, once he did the shadow box, the shadow box was his. I mean, everyone after that was doing Doug Henning's shadow box. I'm sorry. Uh, Unless you really, really, really changed it up, it was... I think everybody I'd ever seen, even I, when I first started doing shadow box, was doing a version of Doug Henning's shadow box, and eventually I had to get to the point where I was like, you know, I can't do it like Doug. I've got to do something different. I've got to change it up a little bit. But that first special, oh, and then you get to the uh, the water torture cell, and you know, I'm going to tell you, it was a great recreation of uh, of Houdini's water torture cell. Was very different from what Harry Houdini did, but it was still really strong and I think it was great for TV because I I just watched it the other day again and uh, was surprised at how well it stood up. It really was a fine mystery. And a great way to, to end the special. Some of the things I didn't notice about the special were the humongous magic posters in the back. There was a, a poster uh, directly in the back of uh, of Stoddard. And then there I believe there was an Adelaide Herman decapitation poster on one side and a James Randi milk can poster uh, on, on the opposite side. So it was kind of cool to see these giant magic posters. I have a feeling there were probably more in the studio, but you couldn't really see them from way to, where the cameras were and the floor on, on this. That's the only thing I found uh, difficult to watch was the way they designed the stage floor. Cause it had this checkerboard uh, pattern, but it was a very weird checkerboard pattern. And it was almost like they were trying to create an optical illusion with the floor. Um, so that was, uh, That was kind of weird. Oh, and and Bill Cosby actually does a very good trick in the show. He does a a visible restoration of a piece of rope at the end and does a killer job. Um, Doug does that same trick on another special. Um, Which one was it? Maybe special six, maybe? The sixth special. And I didn't think it looked as good as when... uh, (laughs) it's when Bill Cosby did it. Uh, Bill did a great job. So the first World of Magic knocked it out of the park. I've since, you know, at the time I I wasn't a subscriber to Genie or anything like that. I was just a kid. I didn't know about Genie Magazine or the S.A.M. or any of that stuff. This was just my introduction to magic. And after I saw those uh, specials, I went out and I bought two books. I bought a book called Magic for Non-Magicians and I bought another book called The Amateur Magician's Handbook by Henry Hay. And I've uh, talked to a number of people that um, apparently that was their path as well. They may have not gotten magic for non-magicians, but a lot of people back then were picking up uh, Henry Hay's Amateur Magician's Handbook. So um, kind of cool the way that whole thing played out for so many of us back then. So many of us that turned out to be full-time performers as well. Uh, fascinating. So that's my intro into the (laughs) tribute into Doug Henning. I'm going to talk about another one of the magic specials here in just a moment. But before I do that, and no talk on Doug Henning would be complete without mentioning the Doug Henning blog, which is run by Neil McNally. You can find it at Henningproject.com. Neil is also the producer of an upcoming documentary on Mr. Henning, so it's something I really look forward to, and I know you will look forward to it as well. Uh, So, I just wanted to plug that really quick, because he does a great job with the blog, and there's always new Doug Henning um, information and photos, and it's just great. So, uh, back to the tribute to Doug Henning. And I cannot believe that I forgot one of the most iconic Doug Henning tricks of all time, that was in the first special, and that is the torn and restored newspaper trick. I'm not sure, but I think, actually, I am sure. Every time I saw Doug Henning live, he always performed the torn and restored newspaper, and that's Gene Anderson's torn and restored newspaper illusion. And in Doug's hands, it was real magic. In Gene Anderson's hands, it was real magic. In many other performers' hands, it was a trick. So, um, <laughs> shows you the difference between, you know, a confident performer and somebody just doing a trick, but that was in special number one. Also, we get to special number two, uh, the second special, the second NBC special was hosted by Michael Landon. And that's when I really realized the quality of the writing, um, Doug when he would perform I always thought what he had to say was was good but some of the banter between Michael Landon and Doug Henning and um, and actually between any of the the like Joey Heatherton is on that special as well and the banter between her and Michael Landon is just uh, leaves a lot to be desired. So special number two, or special number one, ends with the recreation of Houdini's water torture cell, which, like I said, is fantastic. Special number two, they take another page out of the Houdini book. And this time, they're opening the special with The Vanishing Elephant. Now, I have seen a lot of Vanishing Elephant illusions. I've seen a clip of the Milborn Christopher one back, I think it was from the Festival of Magic back in the 50s or early 60s. I've seen Lance Burton's version of the Vanishing Elephant. I've seen several other people's. Chris Angel, I think, did a Vanishing Elephant, and several other people did a Vanishing Elephant. And they. I don't like any of them, except for the Doug Henning Vanishing Elephant. There was just something... Within it, um, a moment, really, that helps to sell the illusion, and that's when he's holding on to that bar while he's sitting on the, or standing on the back of the elephant. If you watch it, that sells the trick, and um, and a layperson wouldn't catch it, but it really helps to uh, push it over the top. And I just love his version of The Vanishing Elephant. Oh, uh, after Michael Landon came out and talked a little bit about uh, Henning and what you were going to see, they brought out this um, paper-covered target kind of thing. It was very, very large. And they set it on fire. And then Doug mysteriously jumped through this thing from nowhere. And this is when I saw Doug Henning for the first time. This is what I saw him open his show with. So they had this big giant target and they would show both sides and it would be hanging uh, several feet in the air and they'd light it on fire and then boom, you'd hear a crash coming out of the center of it where Henning just burst forth and it was a great production. It was a great way to introduce yourself magically and, uh, and he had that here on this, uh, on this second special. Uh, he did uh, a really clever... I don't know who created this illusion. it's a cut and restored rope but it's reminiscent of the Pavel cut and restored rope where the uh the knot slides from one side to the other except this was didn't work on the same principle let's put it that way it's very very clever traveling knot illusion and then after that he does a routine to music, which is the floating ball. And the floating ball, ever since I saw Doug Henning do it for the first time, is one of my all-time favorite tricks in magic. And I've seen wonderful presentations of the floating ball. His was was great. Years later, David Copperfield's was fantastic. Um there was this girl on World's Greatest Magic, Galena. She did this crazy version of the floating ball that was just wonderful. Um, Ginger, uh, Ginger Kalen does a luminescent floating ball in her show, uh, or I should say their show, Mark and Ginger's show. And I, I've never seen that one. That is one I would love to see because I know it's just going to be fantastic. And Louis matos version of the floating ball is just his is probably the best of all time um but doug back in the day simply fantastic he follows the the floating ball with a giant floating ball which is really uh very unusual it's clearly much larger and it floats down all the way down to the floor and then pops open and Joey Heatherton gets out which uh, she seemed a little out of place to be honest on on this special her um, her sex appeal I guess just didn't seem to fit within the Doug Henning um, vibe in, in my opinion I, I could be wrong I she's gorgeous she's beautiful. But um, not sure she really fit in the show. She danced around a little bit, and then um, she helped Doug with. Doug did some um, manipulation of bubbles, so it was kind of like he, uh, he you know used a bubble mixture, created some bubbles, and then did some sort of billiard ball moves with these clear bubbles, which were great. He followed that up with a classic, which in Doug's hands it really was a wonderful mystery, and that's the linking rings. I think in, in Special 2, he called it the mystery of the silver rings, and, you know, it was flawless. It was great. Fantastic. Then, after that, uh, or, or maybe it was before that, and I just got this out of out of order, but he does a trick that everybody in magic did at some point or another because it's such a visual... Illusion, but I think he was one of the first to do it and certainly made it popular, and that was the needle through balloon. Now, I think prior to Doug Henning, the needle through the balloon involved a a long balloon that went into like a little tube and then you put a spike through or whatever. But in this particular version, it was a round, clear balloon and a very long, very sharp needle that... You could visibly put through the balloon, and it just uh, looked great. It looked it, It's a it, in truth, it's still great today. And it's one of those things where if somebody takes a picture of you doing that, it, it's a great image that caps captures the moment of of the magic with that particular trick. It's great back then, great today. Henning also does a second Houdini trick in the show. He mentions Houdini a little bit, and he also plugs an upcoming book that he's writing on Houdini, which he did. He did write the book. And he talks about his favorite mystery that uh, Houdini did, and it turns out to be metamorphosis. And I I, I think about this a little bit. So Henning does The Vanishing Elephant. He does... um, the water torture cell. He does metamorphosis. These are all Houdini tricks. And he takes them and makes them Doug Henning tricks, which is just the mark of a true professional, I think, in my opinion. Um, after and, and by the way, on this special, his metamorphosis wasn't the normal metamorphosis either. It looked like it, but then it had a surprise twist ending where instead of Doug coming out of the box at the end... Uh, a different assistance inside the box at the end, and Doug actually drops from uh, the flies above on a rope. So it was a, a bit of a twist there on his uh, sub-trunk metamorphosis. Now, this special also had another guest, and the guest was Ricky Jay. Now, this is back in the day when Ricky Jay had really long hair. And so he and Doug looked like they, you know, hung out at the same place. The other couple hippie looking guys and Ricky J's demeanor was even, uh, happier. <laughs> if that, if that works. Uh, and he did, but he did a lot of this stuff that he did in, in like, uh, Ricky J and the 52 assistants. He did that, uh, the card assembly that, which is just fabulous. He did some card throwing he did uh, uh, throwing cards at, at objects, so it was great Ricky Jay stuff. But you could also tell by some of the lines that it's also early Ricky Jay, and it's fun to watch that because you can see how he developed the routines over time and how strong, how much stronger they became over time. But they're still strong even at this point. This second special is also where Doug Henning debuted the water levitation that he became famous for and later uh, David Copperfield also became famous for and I think quite a few other people have a water levitation now but uh, it began there with Doug Henning the the special number two actually was the big hook was supposed to be the flaming miracle I think it was a combination of the vanishing elephant and the flaming miracle as it was called and uh, strangely enough, the Flaming Miracle was not a particularly great effect. Uh, it was a, a vanish of Doug uh, from a um like a paper covered tube and uh that was you know f- covered in flash paper. And he vanished from there and reappeared inside a a, a box, basically. That's all the flaming miracle was. Uh, I actually like the box appearance. I've never seen that particular illusion before, so it's it's pretty cool. And then of course at the end of the special he made the uh, elephant reappear and that was fantastic. We get to uh, the third special that Doug Henning did. These were annual specials They came out every year. They usually came out about the same time around Christmas time. and it gave you something to really look forward to. The third special had Glenn Campbell as uh, the host. The uh, the country music star and Doug opened the special with the motorcycle vanish. It was the motorcycle vanish and then reappearance. And there was a lot of good magic. I'm not going to go through all the magic on the third episode. I just there's a couple things I do want to point out uh, in that uh, that episode. There was this thing he did called. Uh, The Artist's Dream. Now, it's not the DeVant Artist's Dream that you may be familiar with. This was Doug's Artist's Dream. And it was this very large platform that they built this uh, cabinet on. And it had had a place cut out for his face and a place cut out for his arms. And basically, all it was was for him to produce a rabbit and change a costume. It was a really, um, uh, it was a lot of, a lot of box to do that little effect. I thought, and yet I, st- I still thought the, the, the effect itself had potential, maybe a fabric cabinet would have been more effective. I don't know. I just thought it was, uh, overkill, um, I mean, he did the sword suspension in that particular episode, and he finished again with another Houdini item. He finished the show with walking through a brick wall. And Doug's version, of course, was a little different in the method than what uh, Houdini used. He made the trick his own. I can't remember if he referenced Houdini or not in that that uh, in his presentation but it was I thought it was well done I really enjoyed it I thought it was good um and then the only un- unfortunate thing about episode or, or not episode but the third special was the very end you know when he's doing the wrap up he did some sort of flower production that oh was not good I think and the, one of the reasons it wasn't good is because of the way the the uh the thing was mic'd you could hear Things you weren't supposed to hear, so <laughs> I didn't. I didn't care for it. Now, when we, if you get to the fourth special, and I'm not going to do all the specials, and I think I may just stop here on the fourth one. But the fourth one might just be the Doug Henning jump the shark magic special, and it's kind of funny because that whole jump the shark term comes from uh, the TV show Happy Days, and on this particular. Episode Tom Bosley from Happy Days is one of the co-stars. That's kind of a weird coincidence. Uh, there was some great magic on this special, and there were some mishaps on this special because this special was live, and there were some there were some big uh, mistakes. But I just watched the special the other day and one of the mistakes that a lot of people talk about was this fall that Doug had from a uh a platform and I was like I, I don't remember it when it was when it aired but watching it I'm like that was covered brilliantly. So you no methods were given away or anything. It was so well Protected, and even though it was a mistake, you know, when Doug fell, I mean, hey, you're, you know, everybody's human, but uh, the method behind what was going on was completely covered, and I don't think anybody was the wiser, other than the fact they saw him fall off this uh, raised platform. Uh, the, the special also had Brooke Shields in it, and she was um, not the greatest she, uh, her acting ability was right up there with Doug's acting ability. Unfortunately, that wasn't the best, but but again, the magic was was really good. The opening effect it was a bare handed production of a little treasure chest, which uh, was placed on a table and they covered it with a little cloth, and it turned into this giant treasure chest that Brook Shields came out of. And I've I've actually seen this is a Johnny Gone creation and. Um, I don't want to give away secrets, but um, let's, let's just say the, um, the effect is brilliant. It's absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Uh, another uh, kind of a funny thing that was happening during special number four was the camera kept panning to Barbara DeAngelis, who was Doug Henning's... I'm not sure if it was his wife at the time or girlfriend. I think it was his wife at the time. And they panned to her a lot, which that got a little annoying. But anyway, back to the uh, thing. I love the camel production that they did. I thought that was great. The whole thing was was themed around a magical journey through time. And they kept saying that over and over. Magical journey through time. And they went to China. They went to uh, kind of a medieval Europe. And then um, ancient Egypt, I think, was the last one. And the, and some of the magic during the China se- segment was really cool. It was the first time I'd ever seen a Morrit cage. Theirs was enormous and the illusion was beautiful and flawless. It was a great effect. Charles Morit's a genius in my book. And this, uh, this version of the Morrit cage was great. They did a snowstorm, uh, with butterflies uh, so that was great I, I really enjoyed that there was uh what what am I forgetting during that um, uh, those are the only ones that stand out in my memory for the the Chinese segment but my favorite portion of the show was the medieval renaissance thing and, and particularly one effect that in fact it was the best one on the whole special and that was Doug's Monty routine basically it was a, it was a three card actually it's called the um, the only three card trick with four cards and it's a, a fact created by Joe Riding and Doug was doing this. I didn't know this for years. I didn't I just loved the trick. I was like that is the best Monty trick I've ever seen. And I was talking to my friend Denny up at Denny's Magic Shop one day. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's the Joe writing trick. And he showed me where it was in print. And and I ended up, uh, I got the book and, and learned it and started doing it. And I was doing it in every show for years, every show. And then one day I decided to write uh, a story around it. Because I was kind of doing Doug Henning's version, but not the medieval version. And so I rewrote it to uh, be a story about... Chaplin and Houdini and it's a, turned out to be from the very first time I did it, it was a home run and it's one of my signature tricks but it's uh it's Joe riding's the only three card trick with four cards it's just fantastic and Doug does a great job with it I saw Doug do it live uh, he does a card sword in the show and some other stuff there's special force kind of interesting because of some of the things that happen behind the scenes um <laughs> apparently the, the at the end of the special, Doug is supposed to do this escape from this tiger's cage, and there's like four tigers down below, and he's supposed to escape, and from what I heard, the tigers actually got loose and were running through uh, throughout NBC Studios, and, and if I remember correctly, they ate some of the animals that were supposed to be produced at the end of the uh, special, during the closing segment, so uh, it was a, it was a potential disaster, uh, averted somehow, but, um, boy, that's live TV for you. Oh, somebody else that was in the uh, audience that the camera panned to, and they panned to him like two or three times. Di Vernon was in the audience during this special. So that was cool to see Vernon. Um, now one other thing about me as a kid, when I heard this special or when the special was on, I recorded this special. This is the first Doug Henning special I ever recorded, but here's, what's funny about that. They didn't have VCRs. So I recorded this with a cassette player and I, (laughs) I like have the whole special memorized. It's one of the, the, the scripting on it is so atrocious, but I, I've, just i learned it as a kid because i played it over and over and over i didn't get to see the magic uh you know because it was a, a audio recording but um but i still remembered all the magic just because because of the dialogue and everything um after the fourth special they stopped doing the journey through time thing and they went back to a format that put doug in a better light and the specials all the rest of the specials that that came out um I think were really good specials. The only one that was maybe uh, a little iffy was the one with, um, I forget her name now, uh, Jillian somebody, and uh, Bruce Jenner was in it. And this young girl, again, Oh, with the young girls, this young uh, Miss Teen or something, I don't know, or Miss Pre-Teen, I forget her name, Candace somebody now that i starting to ring a bell. She was awful, she was dreadful. Um, but there was some great magic in that one too. So, and there's always, you know, that's Doug, there's always great magic. That one was, I don't remember number seven or something. And that one had uh, the Jarrett box in it, which I absolutely loved. Um, so I'm not going to do all the specials. I just, I think I'm going to stop with number four, but I just, uh, Doug Henning was just, boy, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, uh wish he hadn't died, of course, you know you can say that about anybody if, uh, you know naturally, but um such a loss to the world of magic the his style, his presentation the way he uh the way he was was just so refreshing i you know I was reading something that um I think Jim Steinmeier wrote uh, when after Doug had died, and he was talking about magic had this this very brooding and dark kind of uh feel to it prior to Doug and Doug comes along and really breathes a, a a breath of fresh air into magic and shows that it doesn't have to be so dark and brooding and this, that, and the other. And, and he really, you know, and he does, he did, he, he was, he was, he was happy. (laughs) He was always smiling and laughing and, and, and he loved the magic that he did and he did great magic. And not all of it holds up to time. Uh, unfortunately, not all of it does. But, uh, oh, uh, what, what special number three. Um, I, this is something I wanted to bring up. I mentioned uh, Joey Heatherton in the second special where she does the floating, comes out of this giant floating ball, and she does this kind of this sexy dance around. And I, I just didn't feel like... She was the right fit for a Doug Henning special. But in then special number three, Sandy Duncan, who's also a dancer and an actress, she was in the special. She was perfect for Doug Henning. Perfect. She, uh, she, did the, she and Doug did this whole, like, uh, t- toy store, uh, toy, did I say that right? Toy store? Yeah. Toy store vignette, uh, that. It has so much magic in it. They made a a deer appear. They did the like this enormous giant genie tube illusion where she gets in, it's like a slide and she gets into it and uh, she goes in and out comes a, a little version of her a kid version of her and just great stuff that that particular slide genie tube illusion was was on the special with uh, that he did uh, i think it was called the magic of new york i think that was his last special too but uh wow doug henning good stuff i mean great magic if you've never, if you're not familiar with Doug, you should go back, go on YouTube and look up Doug Henning because uh, someone has recently uploaded all his TV specials and a bunch of his TV appearances. They're not all the TV appearances, I'll, I'll tell you that, because I've got a bunch on on old beta tapes that uh, aren't on here. I've got um, Doug, I've got a couple uh, Doug on Johnny Carson that weren't listed on here, and I, I think I have Doug on like the Mike Douglas Show or something. Uh, crazy old shows that are, are long gone But Doug was one of a kind And will never be another one, that's for sure And unfortunately, it, February 7th, uh, 2019 That's the 19th anniversary of, of Doug's passing And uh, it's a sad time But it's also a time to remember And I really hope that Doug Henning does not become like the previous two podcasts I did, like why I'm in the wizard or, uh, Morrow. Uh, don't forget Doug Henning. He is, he's an icon in this business. And we, not only should we not forget him, the magic community, but we should do something more to, uh, Make sure that the public knows who Doug Henning was. Neil McNally, with his uh, with his blog and with this upcoming documentary, I really hope this documentary that he's working on is really big. I really, really do. Because I think it's important. It's important for magic and it's important for theater history. And there's a, still a lot of people around that worked with Doug Henning. I mean, he uh, he had a lot. Well, then again, uh, Michael Landon's gone and Jane Kelly's gone and... Bill Cosby's in jail and eh, well, there are still people around, but you know, um, they're getting less and less all the time. But we, again, we should, uh, we should celebrate the life of Doug Henning and celebrate his magic and remember him. So let's do that today and, and the rest of the year, what do you say? So that's going to do it for this podcast. This was just a tribute to Doug Henning. I didn't really give you a whole lot of biographical stuff. You know, he's from Canada. Okay, there you go. Uh, I'll do another podcast down the road that covers his life and uh, maybe some more details, behind-the-scenes details uh, like when he got bit by the tiger and that kind of stuff. But I just, uh, I don't know. The specials were fresh on my mind just because I've been watching them recently. And um... okay, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not stopping this. I got to keep going. I saw Doug in one of his. Uh... Wasn't his last tour? I think it was '82 or '83. I saw Doug uh, at the Warner Theater in Washington, D.C., and he opened. This just shows you the genius of Doug Henning. He comes walking out on stage, and he got this thunderous applause from this audience of lay people. They just loved him, and he's coming out, and he's holding onto a microphone. And he's speaking into the microphone, and it's kind of breaking up a little bit. And then it stops, and you can't hear him. And people are like, you you could see the look on people's faces like, oh, no, I can't believe this is going to be a big technical disaster, this show. And then Doug takes the microphone and makes it disappear. And he's actually been on a cordless mic the whole time. But what a genius... Opening and the, he, the audience just loved it. They just thought it was the greatest thing, and I think he went right into the uh, torn and restored newspaper from there. But that that particular uh, show, that particular live show, was the first time I'd ever seen origami because Doug was the first that had origami. That's that show also had uh, the pole levitation. And Doug was the first to have the pole levitation. And it was also, if memory serves, there was something I'd never seen. I've never seen it uh, before that. I'd never seen it after that. It was this really weird effect with like giant uh, costume characters that went into a some sort of box and I think they all vanished inside there. I, I forget. That's one thing I forget, but I, I do remember the the giant costume characters, but I don't remember exactly what the what the effect was. I just I remember thinking as a as a, as a magician watching a lay audience and how they just absolutely were engrossed in the magic that Doug Henning did. And then when you're leaving you hear them all talking and and it was always different. A, a Doug Henning audience was very different than a David Copperfield audience, and and that's I think that's okay because Copperfield, um, there's there's when I say there's a difference, I don't mean that one was better or one was worse or anything like that. David Copperfield's fantastic. I mean, I'm never taking anything away from David Copperfield. Trust me, uh, he does a brilliant job fantastic performer. It's just that their styles are different, so the way the audience uh, perceives them or accepts them is different. And I think and I think it maybe is two different audiences possibly as well. Uh, but uh Doug, oh my gosh. I, I remember the first time I saw him live was at Meriwether Post Pavilion, which was an outdoor rock concert pavilion and they had to wait until the uh until it got dark enough (laughs) to to do the opening effect because it was that that flaming hoop thing that i was talking about earlier that's how he started the show and he came bursting out from there and then they went right into uh things that go bump in the night and oh my gosh just uh doug henning was the best it was so good and uh okay i'm wrapping it up uh, but all I've been doing is talking about my recollection of Doug Henning and um, but I wanted to do that. I didn't want to do a bio because I because of this upcoming documentary, I didn't want to take away any of the thunder from from that. So um, best of luck to Neil on the documentary. and please go check out the his blog, Doug Henning Project. Dot .com it's great there's always great stuff on there and uh, and oh hey check out my blog which is themagicdetective.com. and uh, and if you could uh, if you enjoyed the episode please like the episode and uh, and you're welcome to leave a comment on any episode and i really i encourage you to leave a comment because uh, number 1 It's always nice after having done these various podcasts to know that uh, people appreciate them. So if you want to leave a nice comment, that's great. If you didn't like something... Send me an email and let me know because I'm I'm constantly working to improve the podcasts and make them better and make them better for my listeners. You know, those folks out there that like magic history and theater history. So uh, so, yeah, so like the video or like the uh, like the podcast, the video like the the uh, the podcast and leave a comment and and follow or subscribe too. that would be great. I'd really appreciate it. My name is Dean Carnegie. I am the Magic Detective. This is the Magic Detective Podcast. Signing out. We'll see you next time.